The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly Johnson, and today I'm going to be talking with my friend, Adam Stone. He's an artist, and he's amazing. And since this is obviously a an audio, it's not a visual kind of a show, I encourage everybody listening to go to adamstonefineart.com. So that way you can take a look at some of his art. He's also on Instagram at adamstonefineart.com all one word. I think you'll have more fun listening to this show if you can take a look at his unique way of, of painting and expressing himself. He does a number of, di- he's got so much work. He, he's done sculpture. He does paintings that I've also included, just FYI, if you're listening on Patreon, which you can go to patreon.com slash start me up, just look at artist Adam Stone show and you will see some art that I've included in that link, as well as all the um, different places you can go to see his art. And then when you're finished listening to this show, I have posted a link. It's such a cool uh, thing to watch on YouTube. It's called How to Paint a Floor on Fire. So you can watch him. It's, it's, it's an older video. I think it was the first time he ever recorded himself painting. But it's really fun to watch, and it features music from his brother, J.D. Schultz. We talked about him in the show. So I just encourage everyone, like I said, go to adamstonefineart.com or go to Instagram. Adam Stone Fine Art, and then you'll have an opportunity to look at the art while you're listening to the show, if that's possible. If you're driving, okay, don't do it. <laughs> but anyway, I do, I do enjoy this show because he is a friend of mine, and I'm excited to talk to him. I always try to keep these intros short. I do have a new tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. I'll get to that in a second. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going, so thank you so much for all of your support. If you enjoy today's show, take a look at the About page. You'll see that most of the time I have political discussions, but occasionally I do interview actors. I used to be one. Today I interviewed an artist and an actor, and he's my friend. (laughs) So just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays. They are followed up by the What's Up segment, which is just me by myself for patrons only. I talk about whatever I feel like. It's kind of like my online diary. I also do at least one show for patrons with a guest. Just visit patreon.com slash startmeup. And as I mentioned, I do have that tier that you can get the shows ad-free and with a much shorter intro. So that's an option for everybody. And if you do that, everything that I do is delivered to your email box and everything is accessible. You can also make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description of this show. I always include my email. You can use that with PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes app, Apple Podcast Store, become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please leave me a review if you enjoy what you hear. All right. Now, please enjoy my conversation with artist Adam Stone. Welcome to the show, Adam. Glad to be here. Well, I, you know, this is fun because obviously we're friends. And so it's fun to talk to you. And before I get into this, I know I mentioned this at least one of my intro, uh, intros. Um, I have, in the Patreon description of this podcast, I have added your website as well as a video you made a long time ago called How to Paint a Floor on Fire. And so I recommend to everybody who's listening to take a look at your website while we're talking so they can get an idea. You have such an, a unique way of expressing yourself through art. And so... After we finish the conversation, I highly recommend going and watching that video. It's so much fun. Plus, the music in that video is from your brother, J.D. Schultz. So you get a twofer, and you're going to hear a little bit about his family. But so, okay, here we go. Adam, you come from a family of artists, so I want you to just talk about that. I sure do. (laughs) I sure do. Well, uh, both of my parents, who are no longer with us Mm -hmm. at this time... 
uh, were professional artists. My mother was a sculptor and painter, my father a painter as well, who, who, who really discovered his, his talent for it later in life. Yeah. Um, but um, my mother was a self-taught wow. you know, kind of savant with yeah. it. She was just a genius. She could sculpt and paint hyper-realistically and draw, you know, as if, you know, just the most amazing, uh, amazing portraiture, you know, just a natural gift. She mm-hmm. had every skill set and she had three young kids and she didn't know uh, what to do at that time in the seventies. You know, my dad mm-hmm. had a, a gig as a social worker and she stayed home with three kids and she would tinker around in the kitchen with her, with her sculpture figurines and whatnot. She used our, my brother, myself, my sister as models for these little figurines hmm. and started selling them in street festivals in the 70s in and around Los Angeles. And uh, one thing led to another, and and it kind of grew, and she started exploring doing different types of of larger pieces and then painting as well. And it became uh, a direction that both of them focused on, and they became kind of full-time, you know, art entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. with three young kids. And so that's how it kind of happened. We grew up in a household where art was just everywhere, dust and paint and, (laughs) you know, uh, works in in every degree of progress uh, it was like a a giant circus tent wow <laughs> so to speak <laughs> you know when i i remember when i first i first like facebook friended you probably it was 2010 and i think i was friends with your brother first he's jd schultz and mm-hmm. it's funny because i kind of studied he was one of the people that i kind of studied in that he had a large Facebook following. And at that time I was just coming out with my book, the Virgin diaries. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to get a big audience and I wanted to sell my book. And so when I saw people like your brother and you had one too, but it was, I think it was his page I first saw and I would watch what he posted. I mean, granted he's a musician, he's also an artist. And, and so I watched what he would do. There were other people who had large Facebook followings and I would watch what they did, but then eventually somehow, you know, I found you, I don't know who friended who, but I was totally mesmerized with your art. It's very different. And it's, I, I don't want to use the adjectives to describe it. I've heard you use them, but I want you to describe, like, how do you describe your art? Wow. Why don't you put me on the spot? The first <laughs> oh my goodness. I've done so many things over the years. You know, I was, I think I was I think I was 17, almost 18 years old when I first started to sell my work, you know, mm-hmm. out in the wow. public. My uncle had a restaurant on the Venice Beach Boardwalk called yeah. the Fig Tree Cafe. Yeah. For all you know, yeah. some of your listeners are familiar with it. It's many actually times. still there. He wow, no I've been there many it, times. But, yeah, um, one of the one of the two like institutions on the boardwalk there, yeah. and I would set up in the alleyway adjacent to the restaurant with with these you know beginning abstract pieces that that I would you know experiment with and. Mm-hmm. That was uh, my beginning, you know, foray into actually doing it professionally. Yeah. And over the years, I've just, the style has evolved um, in so many different directions. It's hard to, I've done so many different things. It's hard to kind of pinpoint it. But, you know, my, my love for, you know, the human anatomy and the figure and uh, all of that probably, you know, derived from my early interest in comic books and, mm-hmm. and the different uh uh, perspectives and, and angles that you would see in these these amazing you know uh, renditions that these uh, cartoonists did and whatnot for the comics. That's where yeah. kind of the, the love of the figure came from that era. Right. And um, but over the years, I've done abstracts. I've done figurative work. I've done um, I've painted on glass and plexiglass and wood and canvas. Uh, hmm. I started doing early in my career. I painted. I love music. Always have loved music mm-hmm. and. Uh, I started painting a series of jazz musicians and blues musicians, and um, I, I had tremendous success with these these figures early in my career. I probably ran with that for ten years, and mm-hmm. then I started to to evolve and and do some different things. Animals, I, I've always loved animals, and mm-hmm. so the things I love in my life yeah. seem to find their way into the compositions. And you'll even find there are many many of my pieces where <laughs> humans will exist with animals, you right, know, in yeah. the same compositions and what. I just love painting whatever the fuck I want to paint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's, that can be a detriment, you know, people right. like you to stay on a path and, and, you know, have a, a cohesive body of work. And, you know, uh, I've always been like uh, spoiled in the regard, like, you know, I may love painting a tiger one day and then, you know, next thing I want to do is I, you know, I want to paint a guitar. Yeah. You know? and 
it's but just, I like that. I like just, th- because you have this whole. Well, first of all, I am going to use some of your adjectives. You've used fantastical as one of them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. oh god, now I can't think of the other one. But th- it really is it, because it's like a dream, and you've had you've had a bunch of them that were um, like fairy tales. There's one of the was there Wizard of Oz. There's Sleeping Beauty. Yes, um, yes, yeah. I did a series of fairy tale pieces. This is God. Wow, maybe this is like 15 some odd years ago now. Yeah. I don't even know. But um, yeah, Snow White and Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. Again, um, as an actor, you know, mm-hmm. I grew up also acting as well. And so narratives and stories have always been, uh, characters have always been fun for me to explore. And sure, I think I got commissioned at, at one point. I did a show in Minneapolis. I think I was living in Denver at the time. And I, I did a show in Minneapolis and Uptown. And I got commissioned to do a Wizard of Oz piece, Hmm. a very large painting. And so I I think this is the order. I could be wrong, but no one will know (laughs) because it's my life. (laughs) But um, so I think I got commissioned to do this large scale painting, this Wizard of Oz theme. And um, I did it and had so much fun doing it. I think that kind of was like the door and the gateway into doing these fairy tales. What else can I do that, you know, kind of pop culture people are familiar with, but to kind of do them in my own, my own style, you know? And, um, I think I only did about six or seven of them Hmm. sold all the originals somewhat quickly. And Mm -hmm. I do have limited editions that I guess are still available and whatnot that I sell. But, um, you know, in the last 10, 12 years, really the animals, you know, figures and animals have been kind of my, my focus, and who knows where it's going, but I'm, I'm just, there's something about just the love of these, these, these beings, these mm-hmm. beasts, you know, well, and elephants play a big role. I call them like dreamscapes. Yeah. Way. Dreamscape. Yeah. There's dreamscapes and elephants have played a big role. Yes. Elephants. It's, it's kind of ironic. Yeah. Um, the elephant, I, I painted my first elephant. I want to say maybe it was 2008 mm-hmm. and this was essentially my first, you know, I guess, move towards painting animals mm-hmm. as a subject matter, you know, kind of cohesively. And um, the elephant was the first one. And essentially, it was only meant to be uh, a one-off painting as a tribute to my mother, right. who sculpted animals. Mm-hmm. And, and I had, you know, we had years of, of, of watching my parents exhibit and sell them her series of animal sculptures and figurines in these, these art festivals. And we lost her about 16 and some odd years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I just wanted to do something to pay tribute to her. And the yeah. elephant was, just seemed like the perfect place to start. And so I did this composition of, of these elephants, almost as if they're underwater mm-hmm. playing capture the flag. And you know, I don't know how it evolved, but it just, it, it became like this dream sequence. And yeah, I had such success with that that um, I, I went into a, a an edition of limited edition prints with it and and sold those as well and and then after having so much success with that particular piece, it opened doors to do other other animals and and other elephants and to this day I'm still commissioned regularly to do these large scale you know animal dreamscapes and. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I, I had lunch with one of my oldest friends a couple of days ago. And, um, so his father passed away, Hmm. I'd say about six months ago. And his father has had one of my mother's elephant sculptures on his coffee table for 30 years. Wow. In perfect condition. I, I I got a house a few years ago here in in the Valley in LA. And, um, as soon as I I got this house, I've been kind of on a mission to kind of find my mother's sculptures. And, And every now and again, we get notices on eBay that something pops up here in North Carolina or here somewhere in, you know, Northern California. And, you know, it was like, all right, I got to get an elephant. I need an elephant. And I was on this mission. So I remember the day I moved into this house, I had found one on eBay. I think it was from North Carolina and it was being shipped here. And I remember moving everything in and I was so excited to get this box, Hmm. this, this FedEx box, knowing that my mother's elephant was in this thing. And and I ran to open it and it was in a thousand pieces. Oh, so upset. I waited like three, four weeks for this thing. And then I want to say about a year later, I found another one. And this was a, I guess a woman in Northern California that, that, that had it in her collection for years. And, and I remember communicating with her that, you know, hey, this was my experience the first time this happened. We mm-hmm. really have to be careful. These aren't bronze pieces; mm-hmm. these are ceramics. You know, they really have to be handled. Yeah. You know, after three de- three decades of being alive, you right? Know? 
um, who knows what what the situation is, you know, in the internal part of, of the yeah. sculpture, just vibrating could could crack it or whatnot. And so I remember spending like an hour or so on the phone with her, you know, <laughs> explaining what to do, what not to do and how to be really cautious. And she she was so empathetic and she Aww. heard the story and she really was like, you know, she was on the team. Like, we got to get this thing to you. Yeah. And she I remember it got here. This was maybe like a year ago. It got here. And um, I was so excited, and I went to it, and it was in a thousand pieces. Oh my god! And she really, really did a great job wrapping it. It wasn't her fault. It's just once these things leave and go into trucks, yeah. and then other people handle them, they could just, you know, they're vibrating mm-hmm. for a couple thousand miles, maybe, or a few yeah. hundred miles, and then they're being thrown into this truck or that truck, and then onto your property. Yeah. So, so I had lunch with my my buddy couple days ago i haven't seen him in about a year and it was he was presenting me with this elephant that his father had amazing and uh i just i drove i remember i was just a few miles away you know up the boulevard having having a lunch and i was holding it in my right hand while i was driving home because i was afraid that just the vibrating in the little car you know was gonna do damage to it before i got it home and so I finally have it. it the reunification is complete. And that is really cool. I'm so glad. I mean, I was not expecting the second one to be in a million pieces. Um, I want to yeah, interject here because I forgot to tell everybody that I have also included on the Patreon description of this show four, I think, uh, current paintings of yours. So just FYI to people out there. Um, mm-hmm. So... Okay, so I want to kind of just go into, I want to continue to talk about your art, but I also want to know, I know you're an actor because you're like all around creative and everything. So when did you start acting? Oh, wow. Um, We're going into the weeds now. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, You know, I was not, I never really wanted to be. I grew up in Hollywood. But you looked like Scott Baio. Everyone thought you were Scott Baio. (laughs) That must be fun now. (laughs) That happened to me it when I was you know yeah in my teenage years right and um but I, I was the shyest kid on the street and in school it was a real problem for me when I was younger and, yeah um I, I remember leaving high school early um and going to junior college and this was like okay I'm now going to be you know heading out into the world I just started selling my artwork on the boardwalk I think I was like 17 18 years old and I, I, it was really important for me to try to get over my shyness. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a long, I guess we're taking a long route to answer your question. That's but, okay. but it happened. I, I, I was trying to get over the shyness, you know, situation in my life. And my mother suggested that I, I enroll in a speech class mm-hmm. at, at, at junior college. And so I figured, all right, what the hell? I'll write some speeches and I'll get up and, and you know, speak in front of people and I should do it. Well, hmm. the class was closed. Hmm. I wasn't able to get in for a few months. And so this guidance counselor recommended I go to a drama class which I had no interest in and, and did not want to go in. And, and somehow he convinced me that I would be able to tackle that same, you know, the theater in, in similar ways mm-hmm. by going that route. And so I did. And, you know, I was in this class for a few months. Um, I did one scene, which was the Mrs. Robinson scene. Oh, and, wow. uh, the graduate with <laughs> yeah. a woman who was like in her seventies wow. and I'm like 20 or 18 years old. And, and and I'm kissing this woman. Or it was definitely it was definitely um, a, a unique experience for me at the time. But I hated it. I was yeah. petrified. I was trembling. You know, doing these things and rehearsing all of it just was not very natural to me. But apparently, uh, after the the semester was over, we we had videotaped all the scenes and they had this little quasi little you know video festival inside the the, the theater for the final. And I, I had no interest in watching any of them, including myself. So I just <laughs> was outside smoking a cigarette for the whole class. But afterwards, the teacher comes up to me and says, hey, you know, it looks like you, you've got some skills and some natural ability. I'm directing this play. Hmm. It's an equity waiver play out in the valley. And I think you'd be good to read for a particular part. Would you be interested? And I just remember, you know, being shocked <laughs> and um telling him, no, I, I wasn't interested. You know, <laughs> looking forward for summer to come so I can be with my friends right. and, you know, have fun. And he convinced me to at least audition for it and um, and that I could refuse it if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but just just to try. So mm-hmm. I, I, I took him up on it and I, 
I auditioned for this thing and, and I found out I got this thing and then it made sense to do this thing. And <laughs> all of a sudden I'm, I'm going from like the shyest kid around to, you know, doing this, this performance and this professional experience in this theater with a bunch of actors that have had Broadway experience. And, and next thing I know, I'm reading for an agent and <laughs> this actor is referring me to a manager and, this manager takes me on and within like a week and a half I had a couple of interviews for a television show uh, which I booked and so I really had no desire to to go in this path or follow this direction but I got lucky really yeah. young really kind of quick and and one thing led to another and then I found myself doing a couple tv shows and a film and got myself into an acting class of where I spent the next 10-12 years you know, fervently studying and, and doing theater and showcases and, and getting lucky here and there. The luck obviously dissipated. It wasn't like that was, you know, <laughs> 12 years. Yeah. I wasn't booking all the time, but I, I had, I had a wonderful experience. Some of my best friends are still from that time Yeah, in life. And, um, it definitely changed me as a human being for sure. The shyness was, was something of the past. Right. And it helped me tremendously in that regard. And I had no idea that it would, but it's, you know, beautiful how life kind of takes you down these unforeseen adventures that, that, that do have real impact on your life. And yeah. that was definitely one of them. Well, you know, I mean, I was an actor for, it's funny cause I had a very different experience than you. I was hungry for it. And um, I think, and I've talked about it on this show before that I've had issues with my physical appearance, my body and everything. And I honestly believe that my, um, critical inside voice got in the way of I, I was talented and you know I, I always got callbacks and and I got favorable I mean I got I did get booked occasionally and um, I got good feedback from my acting coach and I know that I was good and I could feel that I was good a lot of the time but I spent so much of my time um, down on myself because I was tall and I have a large frame and all that stuff. And so anyway, it's interesting to me how with you, you didn't want it. And like, everyone's going here, here it is, here it is. And then for somebody who really wants it, it's like, especially like I wanted it, but I was, I think I was so self-critical that I got in my own way, but, um, but I'm grateful for the experience. And I always love listening to other actors and their experiences doing it. Cause we all have, I don't know, whatever that drive is to go perform. You know, it's, yeah. it's it, it, yeah. you didn't have it, but then once you got bitten with the bug, you're like, oh, I kind of enjoy this. And I do remember a conversation we once had and you, you had said something like, you know, everybody, when you walk into an audition, like 99 out of a hundred people are going to choose to read it the exact same way. They're going to go with the first, um, idea that comes to their mind when they're reading it. And, and that, you know, as an actor, you, you thought, okay, I want to come from a, a different angle. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. And I think that's such an important thing to have as an actor. And it's not always so easy, but it is a skill to, to kind of come. And I remember it was so funny because I did this one scene one time and I didn't try. This was not, I actually did go with my first instinct, but I went for, it was, of course it was in a man's house. It was an, it was an audition for like an independent movie in, mm -hmm. in some dude's house. And fortunately it was all legit and everything was fine. But, um, so I did the audition and I didn't get the part, but the, the guy who was either the director or producer, he said, how come you chose, I guess it was because it was, it was a scene where, where I was like with a boyfriend and I don't know, something was happening that I, the character I was playing didn't like. So the guy said to me, he said, why did you choose to play anger? And I said, I don't know, because he p it pissed me off, you know, whatever happened in the scene. And he said, every, every single other actress who came in here played, like, sad. And mm -hmm. I kind of took the fuck you stance, which I thought was kind right. of funny. And I was always proud of myself for that. Even I don't know, maybe he, I never got a call back on that one, and I never heard from him again. So maybe that was the actual, it was just the worst possible choice I could have made. But still, it was not what everybody else made. And I, I always kind of remember that after you said it. Um, so let me ask you this, how do you, how, what you get up in the morning, you have your coffee and you paint. Is that, is that how it goes? Like, give me a slice of life from, from your world, you know, <laughs> uh, the last year has been kind of surreal. I think we're all experiencing that, Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, in an interesting, I should say, um, my day to day routine, it hasn't changed all that much. Mm -hmm. 
you know, in that I, I've always had a studio where I live in my home. And so I tend to work all the time and um, I don't have any fixed hours because I work, you know, at home. I yeah. can I can start later or start early. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I just get to get the work done. That's yeah. the most important thing. But I tend to wake up and yeah, the ritual is have your coffee. And, and uh, I guess, you know, speaking in the last four years, let's just say there was a lot of news junkie shit going on you know <laughs> yeah two hours of, of you know getting revved up you know for for the day with with all the the crazy you know shenanigans that we were dealing with you yeah know, politically um you know you're reading catching up on your articles and doing your reading and whatnot and um and then yeah have, have make yourself a nice breakfast or go out and have a breakfast or something and and then just get to it and mm -hmm. sometimes i go in at 11 o'clock i start working i don't stop till dinner time sometimes mm -hmm. i stop and you know get distracted with something and then go back to it but you know on a typical day it's about taking care of the dog and, yeah and and getting the work done and keeping the household up and mm -hmm. you know a lot of the same stuff that you know, everyone does but uh i don't have to commute and i don't have yeah. to it would be life would be really really different if i had to spend you know 20 hours in my car every mm -hmm. week you know getting to and from a place so i can be super productive uh, in ways that a lot of people don't have the luxury, mm -hmm. you know, to, to explore, but they are getting that now. <laughs> right, a lot exactly. of people are getting to experience <laughs> that now. And I bet you there's a lot of mixed reviews, yeah. you know, about being home so much in that, you know, you're now, some people say they're never really separated. I mm -hmm. may not be as productive as, as I normally am, but I never stop working because yeah. I'm always at home. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm kind of used to that rhythm you know, being yeah. kind of a quarterback and, you know, judging, parceling out, you know, how much every day I need to focus on this or that or this or that. But, you know, I'm enjoying hearing everybody else's perspective on this new, <laughs> on this new, you know, gig economy kind of a thing. Yeah, but, De um, definitely. I mean, I were, I do it from home too, but I, it's funny, I've told you this already, but I remember when I first met you, um, I was, you know, I had come out with that book, The Virgin Diaries, and I th Virgin Diaries, and then I think I also did Ain't No Sunshine, but then I had to go get a regular job for a little while, and huh. I knew you by that point, and I remember being so jealous. I was like, I thought, Adam gets to wake up and have coffee and do whatever the fuck he wants. <laughs> I have to go work, and I was so jealous, but it, that job didn't last very long, and, you know, I'm back to doing what I, you know, working from home and setting my yeah. own schedule, which it's like you said, the work has to get done. You still yeah. have to work, but yeah. I've never been the person who wants to work. Uh, not that everybody else does, but uh, boy, I've just, I have such an aversion to playing by other people's rules. And, you know, I mean, I've had some really fun jobs. I, I loved selling industrial chemicals that surprised me. And I, I didn't think that I would love it. I wasn't sure what I was going to think about it, but I had so much fun and I actually made some pretty good money doing it. But what part of what I liked about it was that the company, and I always looked for these companies, but the company was in another, it was in Northern California. I lived in Southern California, so I didn't have to check into an office and I got to decide how I, you know, was going to run my, you know, my job, my part of that job. And so, um, it was okay. As long as I could make my own hours, I still had to bring those numbers in, but I just, I felt like they said you had to work from seven to four and there was no fucking way. I woke up at seven I, in order to leave the house by 7am. I'd have to wake up at like five and that's never going to happen with me ever. No, so, no, um, no, not, not without drinking the chemicals. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I just got, I, I remember driving because it was the industrial chemical job that I worked at in, in when I was in Northern California, when I knew you, and it was a completely different experience up there than it was in Southern California. I, you know, I'd worked for them in, I think, like 2006 to 2007. And then I went back in, it was probably 2011. And I just remember driving and feeling like, Adam gets to be home and I have to work. <laughs> it's just, I was so jealous. But anyway. Yeah, um, there he is making another video in his house. Making at another his video. leisure. Yeah, I get it. Um, I totally get it. So, but you, though, as an as an artist, you have to go on the road a lot of the year. So, I mean, are you now talk about that and then tell me, are you still doing, I mean, I know COVID got in your way, well, but like yeah, moving COVID forward, but a fork in pretty much everything that I do in terms of ex exhibiting the work because, you know, we can't congregate in crowds. And right. so really for the whole of last year, 
I think I did a couple of art uh, exhibits in the the beginning of the year in the desert, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know come March it was it was the beginning of the nightmare, and that put an, a fork in all shows for the rest of the year. Yeah. And so I was kind of hoping that things would would kick into a, a safer, better gear uh, by this year at the beginning of this year, but but clearly that mm-hmm. didn't happen. So now where we're at right now is uh, some shows are planned that normally take place in May, June, summer shows mm-hmm. are kind of pushing back to like August, September, October. Mm, okay. And so I guess the best that I can hope for is, you know, I usually do anywhere from 10 to 15 um, outdoor like fine art exhibitions a year where I can take my work out and share it with folks. And, and you know, there were a couple last year in 2020 and maybe there are only going to be a couple this year because of, of the nature of how things have developed. So who knows, maybe next year things will get back to normal. But, you know, yeah, interesting. I've had, I've had uh, a tremendous amount of time, more time than I've ever had to create mm-hmm. in a way that I've always, you know, I know it sounds kind of strange in that, you know, hey, I work at home, I could do whatever the hell I want. And, you know, what do you mean you have no time? Whatever. But, you know, in selling the work, doing this as a business, as a professional fine artist, where you're routinely commissioned to do pieces, uh, you're you're constantly keeping up inventory for the shows that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got to maintain this 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 rhythm that you know half the time you're in the studio working on things that you know are custom pieces that are have to go out to their their you know various places, and then you're working on things for yourself and this and that. And um, now in the last year I've had all this extra time to do some things that are more personal projects mm-hmm. pieces that I don't necessarily think you know that may have to have the kind of commercial appeal that a lot of other things do I've been able to explore do some figurative pieces that I've always wanted to do a couple of nudes here and there that you know, these are things I've always you know wanted to do more of but mm. don't necessarily have the time to stray and explore yeah. and experiment in the way that I have in this last what 15 16 months and you know it's that's been like a silver lining to this to this craziness right. is is that there's just been an abundance of time so now I, I'm, I'm so caught up with inventory I'm, oh. I'm spending more time now in the studio painting these things that I really really truly want to paint to, to get better as an artist to grow to learn and push myself. I'm, I'm doing that on a daily basis. I'm playing piano. I've, I've got this oh, wow. membership to, uh, you know, online, this app that is giving me piano lessons. So I'm learning to read music and playing the guitar more. And I have all this time now that I, I never really had when I'm on this kind of treadmill of having to constantly keep the business up and yes. sell the work and replace the work and, you know, stay on that, that consistent, you know, drumbeat of keeping the business going. And that's got to be, especially when you're going out to these shows. I mean, they're outdoor shows, and uh, I mean, I've I've seen some of, I've gone to some of the art shows where you're where you're showing, and so yeah. it's like it's a lot of work. I mean, you have to. It is. It's, it's, it is. Is it a tent that you have? Like you have to get that tent going, and then hanging up all of your art and setting everything. Oh, up it's everything. You're wearing it. twelve different. You know, doing what I do occasionally. I have gallery shows occasionally um i'm working on a show at a buddy's restaurant um we're i'll be meeting him this week um he's got a place out in westlake village i'm trying to dial in a, a kind of like an evening affair with him um but for these outdoor festivals yeah i've been doing them for decades now and they're getting more challenging not only yeah. more challenging they're getting further and further away there's less opportunity here in in southern california than there ever has been and more of, of the opportunity for these venues is now in northern california oh they're just moving and, uh, that's why they're moving up to northern california well it, not necessarily moving there as much as you know a lot of uh the the details and the just the just the everything that has to go into putting on a, an event like this with permits and mm. and locations, it's getting more and more challenging for promoters to put them on in these great um, uh, public spaces, whether it be like the Santa Monica Promenade mm-hmm. would be a fantastic location. And there were shows there for many, many years. But all the merchants who were there who were spending 40, 50 grand a month, yeah. they don't want for, for the sake of art. They don't want artists there for two days a year getting in the way of you know the gap selling right. three more shirts or this or that and so promoters have had a real difficult time holding on to locations because as the city is growing and growing and growing 
um, things are getting more expensive for them. Mm -hmm. Permits are getting more expensive for them. The merchants are always a battle. And so a lot of promoters have, have left the business. Uh, some of them have passed on and right, yeah. others have not picked up the slack. Other cities, parts of the cities are, are no longer interested in hosting these types of events for whatever reasons. And so, yeah, they're, you know, six hours away up, up the uh, 101. Mm -hmm. You, you have a lot more opportunity. And so what's happened is, is I'm on the road a lot more because these are each now, even though they're weekend festivals, they're each, you know, costing me, you know, thousands of dollars to participate in because mm -hmm. I'm in hotels for four nights or five nights. I'm yeah. paying a house sitter for the dog for five nights. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just a much different, much, much different experience than, you know, 25 years of doing yeah. more local events. Um, it's it's very different now so so who knows moving forward after covid right who knows what's going to happen you know which ones will continue others may pick up others might slow down and it, it looks like it's a constant evolving uh landscape you know that changes every like different pieces to a jigsaw puzzle yeah you got to put it together every season as to where you're going to go and whatnot so wow, these days these days i'm i'm looking you know to think more outside of the box right. find some you know, the Internet's been very, very good mm -hmm. uh, over the last, you know, as you as you know, for I've been posting videos of mm -hmm. my work and process pictures and um, little little uh, fly in the wall um, postings for years about yeah. uh, my life as an artist and the pieces I do and whatnot. And, and it's always been beneficial. And in the last, I'd say, five or six years, it's become like you got to do it. Like, yeah. like without it, you could be in trouble. So yeah, my, my pieces and the reach, there are people all over the planet now that are aware of what I do that, that could have never in, in, you know, without technology. And so I'm, I'm kind of like gearing to a little bit more out of the box thinking in terms of how to get the work out there. And it's, wow. uh, I think every artist is probably having to, because of, of the strangeness of the times, think in terms of uh, what can we do differently? Galleries are closing. Yeah. Galleries, galleries are charging artists to rent wall space. Now. Wow. It, they never that happened before. And this is like the new way of the day now. Mm -hmm. And so the business model of selling artwork is, um, is really, really uniquely different. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know what? We're going to take a quick break. We're going to get back to this conversation after a few words from our sponsor. OMG, I am using a new skincare system that I absolutely love. People say puffiness and bags under the eyes are the hardest things to get rid of. Until now, introducing Genucel Plant Stem Cell Therapy from Chamonix, specifically targeting eye puffiness and bags. Due to new technology, Genucel is an incredibly powerful natural serum, and with its instant effects, it's guaranteed to show results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. That's right. Users saw results in only 12 hours with dramatic improvement in two weeks. A true Chamonix classic, Genucel contains eight extra ingredients to significantly reduce the appearance of bags and puffiness. Plus, Genucel uses patented plant stem cell technology to improve longevity and brilliant long-term results. You can try Genucel right now absolutely risk-free. Go to lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. Enter that special promo code Stephanie for an extra 10% off. Order now and get the legendary Genucel XV face cream absolutely free just for trying Genucel today. Chamonix, the best skincare, best results, or your money back. That's lovegenucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucel.com slash Stephanie. And we're back. I remember when I first met you um, online and I, I noticed your work and I had just moved from Southern California up to Northern California. And I was like, I, I, I was kind of like thinking that I was going to get a regular job and I didn't want one. And so I thought I, I approached you and because I wanted to try and sell your art and you basically were like talking me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> going, it's never going to work. Yeah. But I'm, I just so Going desperately wanted... Plastics. Plastics. <laughs> I desperately did not want to have a regular job. So it was like anything I could think of to, to just do something on my own terms. Um, but I, and I also just want to say that I think it's funny. I don't know. I know, obviously, because of COVID, you didn't do it last year. But there is that one, I guess, street festival in Montrose on Honolulu. And yes. I know you d you've done that. And, and I was living like just across the street. And it's uh, so it's funny. Like it's so funny that you, you were there and I was there. And, and I think also there's that like a baseball park where your brother um, or, or some kind of sports park or whatever, where your brother does some kind of it's whether it's baseball or softball. And it was right around where I used to live. And it's so funny how it's like our paths crossed in a way, paths crossed in a way, but we just didn't know. 
So, but I do want to ask about your, your siblings because both of, so your parents are both artists and so are your brother and sister. And I just want you to talk a little bit about that. And I think it's so fascinating because your dad, um, I think your dad and your brother have similar art. And then I think your mom and you have a similar thing going on. And then your sister is, to me, from what I can judge, she does mm-hmm. a lot of florals that I've seen. And I love her art because she's done, I looked at her recently and she's got some tree art, which I absolutely love, love, love tree art, any kind of tree art. Um, but she seemed, from what I've seen from her, and I don't want to speak too much because I haven't seen everything, but a lot of floral stuff, but really pretty and different. And so, and yeah, t- we all love, we all love things, you know, in relation to nature. Um, yeah. we all paint contemporary in style and, and, you know, bold color is, is usually, uh, uh something that's kind of like a through line, mm-hmm. you know, with all of our works. Um, but we all paint very differently at the same time. Um, my sister, yes, uh, she, she, she likes to work on in reverse in plexiglass as my father mm-hmm. did, loves the colors and, and just the magic of discovery. You know, every piece you do, you don't really know exactly how it's going to look until yeah. it's finally done and you pull the paper off and you reveal it. And, um, mm-hmm. there's a magic to that and, and just a color explosion, yeah. you know, that, that goes with working in that medium. My brother does as well that they, that they enjoy. I did this for like the first 10 years of my career. My father taught us this is what he did and then um i got to the point where you know it's it's a limiting medium so Mm -hmm. if you want to kind of paint more realistically and and add detail to your work layers to your work it's it's kind of a a real challenging thing to do so I, i kind of walked away from this incredibly fun and and uh burgeoning medium while i was doing very well with it you know for the sake of trying to learn to to do things uh, more realistically and more traditionally and just to get better with color and whatnot, painting with layers, uh, painting on the plexiglass doesn't really allow you to do a tremendous amount of that. Right. Know, it's very forgiving, but, um, my brother and sister, both, both paint on plexiglass. They do, you know, they have different themes for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, my brother's exploring with abstracts now on canvas, things that he's always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I guess in a way COVID's helped him as yeah. well. Try to, uh, you know, uh, explore some different mediums and whatnot my sister as well with with some pieces uh, that are kind of different to what she's normally doing on canvas and um but yeah sister's into you know loves loves um she has a spirituality about her work Mm -hmm. that kind of you know is is there in everything that she does um kind of uh nature almost like forest scapes in a way magical you know yeah, she I loves love, i love her you stuff. know kind of paint and, and different you know thicknesses and drips and whatnot and she's kind of a magician with with what she does and my brother you know it, it has a more of a pop sense and mm-hmm. as a musician he loves to paint uh things that interest him so you've got you know his music series and um he's uh he's grown immensely over the years as well and uh but i think his heart is is steering more towards this these new abstracts that he's hmm. doing it tells me that he's having more fun than he's had in a long time wow. just not really having a plan and not really having to be super detailed and just yeah. letting his spirit you know the source kind of take over in the moment and and so we're all on these we're all growing and evolving you know all the time and i guess we're all in a similar place where even though we paint differently we're, we're trying to push the envelope and get better and kind of grow and we're, we're, I guess one of, it is one of the best parts of what we're, we're all collectively dealing with now is, is having the extra time to be able to do, to do these things, you know, to push ourselves. And so, but yeah, you know, I don't know if I fully answered the question in terms of stylistically, but I'll do this, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's my podcast, (laughs) but my brother's uh, band is human brother. You can hear his music at human brother. I believe it's human brother.com. Um, you could find him on Instagram, uh, the art of JD Schultz, JD Schultz, S H U L T Z. Um, you know, I could be off by a letter because I don't have all the stuff. <laughs> does, does anyone have all these things memorized? I, I know, really. Push buttons and they go to them. My sister uh, is building a new website, but I believe you could find her work at rachelschultz.com. Okay. God, I hope so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could be off by a letter or something, and, and that could be the end of it. But um, Rachel Schultz, S H U L T Z. You you can Google her, Rachel Schultz Art. You'll you'll find her Instagram and. Uh, and her website as well. And um, you'll see for yourself, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to look this up right now 
because I entered rachelschultz.com and it's somebody else. So I'm going to find it. Um, but she, I love her paintings because like, I, I love the floral, um, like the floral things that she does. There's this one mm -hmm. thing that it's like, you're such a, you're such a chick. <laughs> I know I am. I um, love the flowers. I like the flowers. <laughs> uh, but, um, there's this one thing that looks like she did on a window or something, like a, like an well, old window. Almost everything she does, that's one of the things that makes her work. She'll be so happy. She knows I'm doing a podcast. She just had her second vaccine uh, oh, really? yesterday, and she was fine until this morning, I heard. She, so she she feels like she was hit by a bus right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But she'll be happy to know that this podcast I'm doing, I'm now you know taking generous amounts of time <laughs> you know, right? to promote her work, <laughs> and, uh, and my brother's as well. But... Um, she, gonna... One of the things that separates her work from a lot of others who, you know, who who paint in this fashion and whatnot in these festivals is she's she she discovered these window frames, these, you know, old window frames that people would discard. And uh, she she many, many, many years ago, she started picking them out and, and little treasures she'd find here and there and hand painting them herself so she could make her own uh, piece. Yeah. Each one is super, super unique. And so she would I replace the panes of glass, whether, you know, this one had six panes or right. three panes, whatever, with with her reverse plexi paintings. Yeah. So they were framed in a very, very unique and decorative fashion. And she's been doing this for many, many years. And people love this about her work as well. And so you, I think you'll be able to see if you go to her website. Yeah, so it is. I, I just found it. So it is. It's Rachel, yeah. R-A-C-H-E-L, and then Schultz, and then it's S H. U L T Z. So I think I yeah. spelled it with a C. That's why. Um, yeah, her no, work and, is. And while we're at this, do this for my brother too, because I, I, it's got to be equal participation. Here. Equal participation. Um, Google JD. I think it's jdschultzart.com, but it could be art of JD Schultz. I'm not sure, but but you you could find it. And uh, Human Brother is his music. Yeah, Human Brother. Well, that's a separate thing. But um, yeah, I, 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 if I don't know, I don't have, I'm, I'm actually being bold. I'm not sitting in front of a computer. Right. I'm sitting in a beautiful <laughs> spot. So I'm actually enjoying a view that I, I rarely have enjoyed since I've been here. I bought a new chair a few days ago and I'm facing out towards the backyard and I'm disconnected from all media so okay, i can't so then do this yes, i can't it, do the research for you it is jd and then again it's it's just sh so sh yes. no c no c s-h-u-l-t-z jdschultz.com um yeah right. check both of them out because um and like i said i i do love the tree art your sister has so much of that and she's got such a unique style and it's so cool <laughs> that you guys i mean i remember there was one show that i went to and where you, i think you were all three there Mm -hmm. So that must be kind of cool to like share that with your. Siblings. Oh, we've done that hundreds of times yeah. over the years. Yeah. Especially, you know, growing up being close, we had a really tight family and still do. The folks are gone. The legacy continues, but um, yeah, we still do a lot of festivals and sometimes they overlap. Uh, my sister does go up to Northern California, you know, to do shows that I kind of do up there in the summertime and not so much with my brother these days. He, he tends to stay, you know, in Southern California most yeah. of the time. Well, I'm a little yeah. jealous because I do. It's miss a real California. unique story. We did a gallery show called In the Blood some years ago at uh, oh, right. the Gallery in Culver City. It's called The Whole Nine, and she's still there now, uh, doing some wonderful stuff uh, uh, with her with her space. Mm -hmm. um, I do remember but, uh, when you were posting about did that. You go to, did you go to that show? Yeah. So my father's work was in it. My mother's work was in it uh, posthumously, and. Um, we, uh, my brother, sister, and I, we, we put a, kind of a group show of the family work together. And that was really the first time we'd done that in a gallery setting. And, and that, that was really fun. That was really special. So your mom sculpted, and then I know that recently you did some sculpture. You've been getting into sculpture. So, I mean, are you still, are you still pursuing that? Yeah, you know, I'd say, I'd say a couple of years ago, I've always wanted to explore 3D work. And, mm -hmm. and sculpting was something, especially growing up in a household where it was just everywhere, it was always something that I felt like I probably would have like a, a natural, you know, affinity for mm -hmm. and an act for it. But I just never gave myself the time. I've been yeah. painting for so long and, and just the business of, of keeping the business afloat, you know, and inventory where it needs to be with painting. You know, you're constantly painting. Mm -hmm. It's a full-time gig. And so I'd say about two years ago, I bought some clay. And this was, again, like, let's just, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. 
but I'm just going to start and see mm-hmm. what happens kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I had, had, had this big blob of clay out there and I started just working on it without really know. I built an armature, which is the inner, you know, kind of, let's just say the inner skeletal structure of, of, you know, what you have. So let's say you're painting, you want to sculpt a human being or a figure, you know, you might have an armature that has wire for arms or wire mm-hmm. for legs. So that after you apply the clay, you, you can, you know, kind of right, m- move yeah. it around and, and not break the clay. You know, you've got this kind of pliable uh, structure, hmm. skeletal structure to work with. So I built this armature, watched a video on YouTube on how to do this. Wow. I, I had no idea threw some some tape in there and some and some duct tape and and built this 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 really basic kind of uh, novice armature and then just started throwing clay on top of it and I had no idea what I was going to (laughs) do it turned out to look like a rhino head and then I just in between all of my shows you know I might work on it for a day and then not touch it for a week Mm -hmm. and then come back to it and start pounding away and then not touch it for another three weeks and it was uh, the course of an entire year wow. I worked on piece. It, it became a rhinoceros, and um, I I did create a bronze mm-hmm. of it. That that um, I I actually have the second one. I sold the first one to a, a collector of mine, but I have the second one here. Just I can touch it with my hand right now, oh. and uh, it's looking at me. And <laughs> Is it on your website? I showed you right now. If you saw the video, it's literally looking at me, staring at me right now. <laughs> Is it's it, just two feet away. Is it but, on your um, is it on your website so everybody could see it? Yes, okay. it is. It's called The Giver. Okay. It's about holding on to your youth, holding on to the magic of of your youth. Wow. In a way. Um you will see it. And and so after so that way, it took a year to to finally get this thing done. And uh, after I created the bronze and, and cast the first bronze with it, I felt like, all right, let's start. What what's next? And I so yeah. I worked on a monkey. And I had this idea to do this kind of, you know, Balinesian kind of monkey. I went to Bali, had some some funny experiences with mm-hmm. with some of these little characters mm-hmm. in the forests. And I thought, oh, I've got some great pictures to draw from for reference, and uh, let's see what happens. And so my second piece called the Orator is basically this this cheeky, you know, Balinesian monkey uh, in deep deep discussion with a hummingbird. Wow. And um, that's on the website as well. And and so. Um, I've got the second one here. I, I did sell the first one to another collector of mine. I've got the second one here in my in my other room that I cannot see. But um, <laughs> I'm surrounded surrounded yeah. by my mother. I, I've been collecting my mother's pieces over the years. I've got uh, I've got her pieces, and now mine are kind of with. It's like a big family again. Well, I I want you to send it. It was so funny because back in I don't know what year it was. It was probably like twenty. 13 or 14 maybe 2013 or 2012 something like that you had you had done a a a commission for somebody who wanted to put up a painting of yours in their game room and Mm -hmm. so there was this scene of like characters Mm -hmm. playing poker and Mm -hmm. right in the center was this tall blonde woman wearing a blue dress oh, that's right. <laughs> and that's it right. was me <laughs> even though that's you right. didn't that's, necessarily that's right. think I, I, it was, I was me for this whole time i'm thinking what is she talking about <laughs> but now i know now i know and i yeah, want I that commissioned by a gentleman uh who lives in northern california that had followed my work for for some years and then he finally approached me at one of my shows up there and he had this really great guy and just this wild imagination mm-hmm. and just out of nowhere um not the kind of not the kind of ideas I thought would come from this gentleman, mm-hmm. but um, completely like this lucid dream slash drug trip of yeah. this yeah, poker night with all of these characters uh, alive and dead, you know, that he had in his mind and, and asked if I'd be interested in doing that. And sure, you know, of course, that mm-hmm. sounded like it was right up my alley. And yeah, I kind of have a vague remember, like we were we were in communication back then. Yeah. And I don't know if if just by having... Uh, you know, that communication, you were just in, in my, you know, creative thoughts. What, cause he did want, he did say, I want a tall, uh, you know, booksome blonde, right. you know, to be in the center of this composition. Who had and, my jawline, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I didn't use a photograph. Right. No, I know, you know. I know. There was no photo. I just painted what came out of my head, but, yeah. but 
yeah, I think I do have, recall a conversation we might have had. You may have seen it if I shared it or something. You're like, is that me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, look, what, I was that like, mean? that's totally fucking me. And it was so. Yeah, I, 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 it wasn't. It wasn't really intended to be anybody right. other than just this. You know what he was. You know, kind of envisioning, and so it was what came out. You know, yeah. kind of organically, and so that that's the story of that. But yeah, he's he's a friend, and um, yeah. In well, fact, it's I was it's, it's to also to see him. like you have talked. I know other people have mentioned a lot of the women in your art seem to resemble your sister that it's like, she comes up a lot or my mom. Yeah. Or it's your mother. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the, the features of the face. Right. Um, I, you know, again, I, you know, with, with my style, I tend to like to um, not know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't put a tremendous amount of, of planning ahead. So I don't do tra traditional portraiture all the time where, where I'm working off a photograph or a model or something where I'm trying to make somebody right. look like, an actual person. I, I tend to like to be free, mm -hmm. you know, and not, not have m much of an idea of what I'm going to do. And it kind of keeps me in it and keeps me in, you know, excited and inspired and all. And yeah. so I don't know what it is, but, um, I can't paint a flower that doesn't look like a vagina. In some <laughs> and it's if I paint a woman, <laughs> if I paint a woman, uh, it tends to have the jawline of, of, yeah, my sister or my mother or cousins right. of mine, you know, it, it, it just tends to happen mm -hmm. really without planning. Yeah. But, um, well, it's, it's like implanted in your subconscious and yeah. you're just kind of going with whatever you feel. I definitely, do you still have a, um, I know, I haven't seen it on your website. Do you have a copy, just like a, a digital copy of that painting? Oh my! Because I used you to know, have I, it. I do somewhere. I if you find somewhere. it, I want it because um, I remember I had posted it on um, something like I think my friends and family Facebook page yeah. because I just wanted to have it. Like I wanted to keep it, even though it wasn't yeah, me. I'll it was find it. I'll me. definitely find it for you. I, I just recently built a new website for myself at the end of last year. It was a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. I did most of it kind of on my own before I handed it off to the the you know the programmers or whatnot. Yeah. But um, you know, this site is geared more like a, it's kind of shop centric. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's built more for sales and right. less of, less of like, I've got 500 paint. I mean, I, I've, I've done so many paintings over the last 35 years. There would be no way to have them all be, you know, yeah. on a web. No one would stick around to look through, you know, a thousand or 2000 images. And yeah. so um, you tend to have to curate every two, th two, three years to mm -hmm. keep the more recent pieces, you know, kind of there, but it's somewhere. I know I have an archive of it somewhere. <laughs> I could get it to you. I don't know what this is doing to, to, to the, the radio, the viewership, you know, I don't know. I, they might just be going, what are these people talking about? No, I'm never going to look for this painting. I'm never going to find this. Well, painting. I want it. So They're I don't, I don't care. For like five minutes about this painting. Here's what I'll do. If you, if you ever do find it and you send it to me, what I'll do is I'll put it up on Patreon and okay. I'll just do it for my patrons only. And I'll just, I'll share it so that they can see it. But yeah, it was kind of fun because I recognize, myself in it immediately and it was like whoa I'm in art that's so cool and uh you know one of these days I'm going to commission something from you but um so is that aside from what you're doing as far as shows go um yeah. do you get do a lot of people contact you about specific things they want you to do yes it tends to happen that way you yeah. know when you do when you do commission work you know a lot of it at times uh, is in line with, you know, people see, they, they see my style. They, they, they like the body of work in general of, of, yeah. of what they see, especially because a lot of it is kind of like dreamscapy and, and yeah. imaginative and fantastical that, you know, a lot of people have symbols, animals, right. you know, favorite things that are dear yeah. to them. They, they're often, you know, wanting to incorporate certain elements of things that are important to them with, with my style. And yeah. that's how it usually works and, and, and things develop you know, kind of naturally after that, but yeah. Yeah. So, so people see me in shows, they, they either, you know, see something that they like, you know, at the event and, and purchase it at that, at that venue or, or they're inspired and they want to, you know, kind of work, you know, in tandem with one another Yeah. on something unique, something unique that they can never find anywhere else, something that's personal to them. And, um, whether it be their pets, you know, family members or, you know, uh, symbols that are meaningful to them yeah. spiritual symbols or whatnot so I'm, I'm constantly incorporating things as we go and uh that's how it usually happens yeah. so so here's the last question i have for you do you ever get to a point where you're like burnt out or you're just i mean obviously it's your 
it is your thing and you'll do it for yeah. as long as you can do it. Of course. But I mean, is there any time, because like, for instance, I've recorded so many podcasts in the last week mm-hmm. and week and a half mm-hmm. that I'm like, oh my God, this is the last one. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm like, oh my God. Like, do you ever just get burnt out on your work and you have to step away for a little while? Yes, all the time. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not necessarily, um, you know, when, when you do anything, for yeah. 35 years, 40 years, every day almost, you know, of course you're going to hit the wall. I, I, I just, I think everyone probably experiences that, you know, yeah. it may sound strange to get burned out of, you know, you mean you doodle all day long and you get burned <laughs> out on doodling? Oh, poor, poor, poor baby, you know, but <laughs> the reality is you do anything all day for eight right. hours, most of every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's phys- with what I do, these large scale paintings that I do, uh, it's physical work too. Yeah. You know, it, oftentimes these paintings have layers upon layers of, of just paint with thick brushes and various colors, you know, that you ultimately will never see yeah. after the finished piece is done. But just to build up, oftentimes mm-hmm. it's days and days of, of work mm-hmm. to get a piece ready to actually start, you know, doing the, the detail work on. And so all the time, but, you know, I surround myself with music. Like I said, I'm playing piano and guitar for fun and um i do have other side projects that i get myself into and um there there are plenty of distractions you've got a six we all have a 65 inch television usually right know, yeah. 20 yards away from from where we are <laughs> you know, at all times and so there's plenty of things that you know i can i can do to kind of refresh and replenish my myself and, yeah. and i do i do but i think that's you know that's normal it's just I, I understand from from being on the other side, not being an artist and having it be a profession. I can understand how you know that would seem odd maybe yeah. for somebody. You mean I sell sparklets and I drive around ninety <laughs> hours a week selling sparklets, right. and I'm lifting seventeen <laughs> gallon drums of water up four flights of stairs, you know, eight hours a day. But you want to tell me how you're you know you're <laughs> bored painting this you know this teapot? Yeah, you know, well, it's it boring. Is, it, 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 Everything like you said, it doesn't yeah. matter what you do. If you do it all the time uh, yeah. after a yeah. while, and especially I think when you're a creative person or you're putting something out for other people, you know, there is a, there is this energy that goes into it and you, you just get drained and you kind of need to take a step back. And, you know, it's funny because my step back will be, I'll be going to take care of my mom who's had hip, hip surgery. Um, mm-hmm. But it'll be a change of pace. It'll, it'll just be a change. So of it's course. not going to be the most fun thing until she starts like really feeling better. I'm going to, yeah. of course, worry until she feels better. But I mean, uh, it, it's going to be a little bit of work, too, because she's on she's got a three story home. She's going to be on the first floor. I stay up on the second and third floor. And so it's like all day long. I go up and downstairs to, you know, bring mm-hmm. her food, bring her ice packs, make sure she's got this and that and whatever. And so it's like a lot of work for me. But yeah. but I'm almost like looking forward to it because it will just be a break. You know, you yeah, it's going to get put, you out of your, your normal routine, of yeah. course. And I think and then, you get you know, refreshed. Three days after that, you'll be completely anxious and nervous yeah. and stressed <laughs> and miss, miss your podcast. Exactly. Exactly. And it's <laughs> like, but it's a way to refresh. And so, yeah, um, exactly. We all need, we, everybody, doesn't matter what you do. Yeah. We all need to be, you know, stay inspired and, you know, inspirations come from different places and, you know, we all get bored. It doesn't matter what right. you do. Yeah. We all get bored and, you know, have to find distractions, but, um, the art realm is no different. You know, getting inspired is a bit challenging at times when, yeah. you know, you do this for a living and you're, you're spending all of your physical waking hours in this creative, hyper creative mm-hmm. mode. And thinking of new ideas is sometimes, you know, yeah. challenging. And especially when these pieces are five, six, seven, I just finished a nine foot painting that went off to Israel. And, wow. you know, these are, these are bears you wrestle with for like yeah. a month, you know, and then all of a sudden you've got to get going immediately on something else. And sometimes that inspiration is there and, and you're prepared. And other times it's like a dog fight, you know, yeah. getting yourself ready for the, you know, the next round with the next bear. And this is <laughs> something that, you know, I'm sure every artist, yeah. you know, to a degree deals with. It's just, we aren't lifting furniture and we aren't wrestling real bears. Right. You know? <laughs> it's all relative. Oh, well, okay. So first of all, I want to say thank you for being on the podcast. Um, this is a nice break from politics because, you know, I talk about politics a lot. And uh, Yes, I can imagine. That's that's a whole different, 
that's a whole different animal that can go, you know, that can be really exciting. It could be really volatile mm -hmm. and it could completely, you know, at the end of a podcast, you could <laughs> perhaps lose half your viewership. And half your exactly. Well, pretty much yeah. the people, yeah, the people who listen to me are pretty much of people of the same mind, but still, you know, right. everybody, you're preaching the choir. <laughs> well, everybody likes to get pissed off at you though, depending on what the day is. And, you know, you're going to piss yeah, you somebody have, you off. You have people from from various parties. I do. And I do. Belief systems on, and so I'm. You know, I do. I'm sure it gets kind of, um, you know, equal equal time, and you know, you might learn a few things that that maybe you were not, you know, aware of, and perspectives, and and vice versa. But yeah, it's our, our political. We're we're completely fucked. Yeah. In this totally. And, and the country <laughs> is divided, and you know, it doesn't matter what topic or what you know issue. It's it's going to be a challenge and an uphill battle, mm -hmm. you know, to get somebody to see things from your perspective if they don't already. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, you're up for it. I got to commend you. You're definitely <laughs> your game. Yeah. And your it's game. weird. I never would have thought this would have been my thing. And especially with politics, like my father and my mother. I mean, my mother was like the full on political junkie, especially like during the Bush years. She was freaking out. And, you know, I mean, she would send email after email after email. George Bush is doing this and this is J Cheney is doing that. And she would talk to me about it. And at the time, I was not a political junkie. I was kind of half paying attention, pretty much going on what she had to say. And then slowly but surely, you know, I mean, first you get the, the, the 2000 election with the hanging chads. That kind of grabbed my attention. Sarah Palin, Sarah Palin really grabbed my attention. And, um, and then eventually it was that Rush Limbaugh calling Sandra Fluck a slut. And that was like, all right, I'm, I, you know, I wrote my open letter to Rush Limbaugh from a liberal slut. And that started me on my whole mission that's got me in this chair right now talking to you, which is funny because we're not really talking about politics, but... It is a nice break, and uh, I've, I'm looking. I was looking forward to doing this, and I hope that everybody who is listening was taking time because your your site is adamstone.com. No, and, it's not. Oh, it isn't. You, you didn't do your research. Well, correctly. I'm looking at your Facebook page. That's what's on your Facebook page right now. Oh, then you gotta I gotta go change I have it. Not done my my research. <laughs> no, so so that was my old site. Okay. My new website is adamstonefineart.com. Oh, okay. So Adamstone yes. Fine Art. But when you yeah. okay, so when and you, if you go to my Instagram page, it's Adamstone Fine Art. Okay, uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to your Instagram page right now. It says sorry. Okay, so the one on your um. Facebook page says it's broken. That's so stupid. Well, 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 I I do have an Adam Stone Fine Art like Facebook. There it is. Um, I guess page. Okay. But the way it's structured right now, they barely show anybody unless you pay for these uh, right. posting. They barely show it to the three thousand people that are following me. And so I tend to post when I post on Facebook. I just I tend to post it on my personal page because I figure they're just going to show it to more people. Yeah. I, I tend to you know when it comes to Instagram, I know everyone's got a different perspective on on the posting. I'm not a professional when it comes to the <laughs> knowledge of the, the algorithms. Yeah. I tend to post the same thing on Instagram and I share it to to this yeah. Facebook page. And half the time they might be doing that already, and I could be double double posting. I don't even know. I just figure <laughs> you put it out there, they're going to see it. They're going to find it in one way, shape, or form. But, you know, the Instagram page is Adam Stone Fine Art. Okay. Um, the, the, so is the Facebook page. And the website, the new website is now adamstonefineart.com. Yes. And you'll so see go. all the latest, all the videos, uh, you know, all of the, the, you know, the most recent pieces I've been working on are, are there. Yeah. And, and you can really even fun. buy things for your home. Yeah. Your and uh, I highly friend. recommend, highly, highly, I mean, obviously have you on my show because I think your art is amazing. And so definitely check out uh, all of those sites. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. And then all my books are on Amazon. I won't go into it now. But thank you, Adam. I enjoyed this show immensely. Kimberly, it was a pleasure. I hope you guys are all still here with us. <laughs> yeah, oh, pleasure, sure. pleasure speaking, speaking at you. There, there's three listeners left. No. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, you take care. Okay, you have a good day. Okay, bye-bye.